Relatively Speaking Podcast with your hosts, Jerry Mintz and Joseph Murdo. Welcome back to the Relatively Speaking Podcast. We are recording on Monday morning. It is November 28th, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving weekend, and everything that accompanies Thanksgiving weekend besides leftovers hopefully is over. And now we have no choice but to move on and try to lose the 5 to 10 to 15 pounds we all gained over the weekend. I'm your co-host, Jared Mintz. Joining me today and every other day that we record this terrific podcast is Joseph Nardone. Joe, how was your weekend? More importantly, how is my 12 to 14 hours from now when Final Fantasy 15 comes out? Who cares about know. Thanksgiving? I'm grateful for this video game. I don't know if it's more important that we ask you how your future hours that haven't taken place yet <laughs> are over the hours that have taken place and you actually have something to discuss are, but... I'm glad that you were still pumped up for Final Fantasy 15. Joe, what's the first thing you're going to do when you get into that game? Like, are you just, are you going to try to beat the game immediately? Are you going to, I don't I don't even know what people do with video games anymore, so it's a bad question. But what are you going to do? Well, when you play on the Xbox One, you have to install it. So when midnight hits and I buy the game and it installs, it's going to probably take like two hours. So I probably won't get to play it until tomorrow. Oh, so we're talking about 24 hours then. Yeah, but like the, I process, guess you're probably, the, yeah, the process begins tonight. Do you trust the process? Of course I trust the process. Have to trust the process. Did Sephiroth kill Eris in Final Fantasy VII? Duh. I don't even know what you just <laughs> said. I'll, I'll take your word for it. Sound, sounds good to me. For the three uh, listeners that played Final Fantasy VII, they're like, yes, what a reference. Are they? Was it that good? Oh yeah, man. When Eris dies in Final Fantasy VII... It's a life-changing moment, because video game characters didn't die before that. <laughs> All right, man. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, I don't remember, like, Bowser or any of them ever dying, because they're always back in the next video game. Right, and, and then, then like, 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 they fell into lava one level, and then they're back. I mean, like, think about it. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't add up. It really doesn't. All right, well, for <laughs> those of you that are excited about Final <laughs> Fantasy fifteen. Joe's right there with you. Make sure you at him on Twitter and talk to him about it. But until then, I guess we got to talk about sports. So yeah, if you're if you're a if you're a usual listener, if you listen to both of our shows weekly, make sure to come back on Friday because I'm sure it's just going to be Joe screaming about Final <laughs> Fantasy for 45 to an hour. If we even record, I might be a, I might right. be damaged by them. Joe will no longer be with us. All right, here we go. Knock on wood. Let's talk about NFL Week 12 because. He, here's the thing. I'm going to be really honest. When I was making the rundown for the show, there really wasn't anything that like stuck out. That's like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna have to spend 45 minutes talking about this subject. Yesterday just wasn't one of those days. I mean, sure, there were, there were some upsets, and some teams played better than you were expecting. Some teams didn't play as well as you were expecting. But I guess we have to start off with the the Sunday night football game, which was a division rivalry between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Denver Broncos. And you know, the Broncos coming off a of bye week. Starting to look look pretty decent. Trevor Simeon had a couple nice weeks playing against a tough Chiefs team that's also getting a little bit healthier despite having zero wide receivers. Chiefs end up winning this game in overtime, um, and I, I was pretty impressed that they were able to take the win. But I really want to talk to you about it, Joe, because you have the perspective of somebody who really follows the Broncos. What what did you make of this loss for for your Denver Broncos? Um, it was weird because Simeon late had that huge pass in regulation where he kind of just chucked it up, and the Kansas City defender was lost. And then you're like, oh, that's the game. And then somehow the Chiefs, like under two minutes, right down the field to send it to regulation, or to send it to overtime. 
Um, it was a little disappointing to see Kansas City kind of, like, they're a dink and dunk team and all that, but they moved the ball pretty well against Denver's defense, which is kind of concerning. And now if you're a Denver fan, because the AFC West is loaded, um, you're in trouble. You really are. Yeah, I mean, I, you, they very well might be. Again, I think the division is competitive, but you're not wrong in saying that that it's it's loaded. I mean, the Raiders Raiders look pretty good. Somehow they escaped yesterday with a win against Carolina. And again, you know, the Chiefs just being able to to draw that comeback towards the end of the game was what really stood out to me. I thought Denver's defense was pretty solid for the first, I don't know, 57 minutes yeah. of the game. <laughs> and then, and then they fell apart. Right, and then the Chiefs have, you know, a, a fourth-quarter drive to, to get the game into overtime. And then in overtime, you know, once again, you're looking you're looking around the field looking for that big playmaker, and you're getting Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and Chris Conley and, you know, all, the, all these guys who aren't big playmakers just, you know, ca- catching small plays and, and getting first downs. And obviously that's just that's how you win. And, you know, I Joe, you talk about it all the time, how in the NFL you're not seeing teams really airing the ball out, and it's more about short passes and high completion percentages. And I don't know, maybe, maybe the Chiefs gave us, you know, kind of a blueprint to, to get by against the Broncos' secondary. Are you, are you afraid that, that that might have been what we saw last night? I don't, I don't know, because Alex Smith only threw for 220. Um, I'm going to disagree with you with Tyreek Hill. He's a, he's a fast mother lover. Like, oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, he's, like, yeah, they're not throwing the ball down the field to him. But, like, the idea with him, I, I, I assume, because they run the ball with him, too, as well, is... Get him the ball wherever you can and see if he can make something happen. So I do think mm-hmm. he is a playmaker. Um, they have a few guys on this team that can do that. I kind of just said that because, you know, most most of your average football fans aren't watching games like, oh, yeah, you got to watch out for Tyree Hill on this play. And the same for a guy like Anthony Thomas. However, you know, these are guys who I guess do fit well with an Alex Smith, who, again, is good at short passes and finding guys in open space. And you get a Tyree Hill who can capitalize on that, and suddenly you're not really missing Jeremy Macklin that much anymore. Yeah, like, to be honest, like, I'm really confused how the Chiefs won this game still. Like, I'm, like there's nothing offensively they did through 57 minutes of the game where you go, this game should even be close. Do you know what I mean? Um, you want, like, I'm looking back at the box score now. They only averaged 3.2 yards a carry. Alex Smith only threw for 220 yards. He averaged five yards of completion. Right, and again, a lot of that came in the fourth quarter in overtime. A lot yeah. of Alex. Smith he was yards. sacked six times, so like you would, you would think like this is like if you just took away Denver, like all of Denver, and you just looked at Kansas City's box score today, you'd think they scored like fourteen points. Maybe. Right, and it, it was another game. Even though the Chiefs' defense gives up twenty-seven points, I mean, it was another game where they just they made plays. They they scored a touchdown. They nabbed the safety. They just they Chiefs' defense had a big day in spite of its offense not really showing up until the second half. And, you know, it's, it's just it takes a lot to beat a team like Denver. And getting a win like that on the road, very impressive for Kansas Justin City. Justin Houston's a man. Justin Houston is back, and he absolutely is a man. What what did he have last night? I know, ten, I know he had at least... Ten tackles, three sacks. Right, I knew he had at least two sacks. Oh, my God, five tackles for losses, three quarterback hits. That's, that's a game right there. Yeah, I mean, he's a man. He certainly is a man. Joe, was there anything else that really stood out to you from uh, NFL Week 12 that you want to talk about? Yeah, the 49ers. The 110 49ers. Um, <laughs> listen, I'm, I, I, I've been, prior to this season, a Brian Kelly supporter. Um, his offense looks kind of archaic now. And, however, Kaepernick looked really well, played really well yesterday. Um, Brian Kelly, just for the, for the record, Brian Kelly. Chip Kelly. I want Brian Kelly fired. 
Chip Kelly, I have been. A, I haven't been a Brian Kelly defender at all. I'm a Brian Kelly fired this week. Chip Kelly, I have been a defender of. Chip Kelly going to Notre Dame and solves all my problems. Um, his offense looks kind of archaic. Um, I we said it last with the last group of teams. They don't throw the ball on the field either at all. Um, and Kaepernick has like a cannon. Like I know he's inaccurate, and that's his his issue. But like if you have like an arm like that. Let him let him chuck it down the field sometimes. Uh, but yeah, he threw for two ninety six. He ran for one one thirteen yesterday. Um, they ended up losing by seven. They almost they were at, they were within the six yard line. They had three attempts to tie the game at the end of the game against a pretty solid Miami team. And uh, it, I don't want to say like this means Colin Kaepernick's great, but like I don't think he's as bad as we thought he was going to be. Right, I mean, they were toying with the idea of if he was even, like, good enough to take a game away from Blaine Gabbert, who was awful. And he's given them pretty decent quarterback play. I mean, you can't you can't blame him when the team gives up, you know, 30-plus points every week, and he's still throwing, he's still airing it out. I mean, not airing it out in terms of throwing the ball downfield, but they're allowing him to throw the ball. He's, he's running really well with the ball. I mean, he's been... He's been the spark of offense that that team's needed. You're they have no a lot other of- offensive players. Like, that's part of, the, like, part of the key here, too. Like, they don't have... Like, Carlos hides their running back, and the receivers are who? Like, right, it's Rod quick. Streeter? Like, right, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be a jerk about it. And then mm-hmm. the washed-up Torrey Smith, Jeremy Curley. And Quentin Patton. And Quentin right. Patton. Like, 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 I'm sure these guys are all... Well, like, what do you average. say, nice guys? I, 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 yeah, like, I was going to do the nice guys thing. <laughs> but, like, like we got to be honest here. Like, Kaepernick isn't perfect, but he's also throwing to a pretty poor group of offensive weapons. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think that that may have been part of the problem with Blaine Gabbert, too, but I think the other part of that was he's just awful, whereas Kaepernick... <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. You know, Ka- Kaepernick at least is, is giving you good fantasy stats here, and he's making the games a and little bit... he's dynamic. He has much. the ability to bust open plays with... Like, uh, Gabbert is sneaky athletic, <laughs> and... Uh, I, I use sneaky athletic on a white quarterback, but um, Kaepernick's dynamic athletically, and so he gives you that big play capability. I, I agree with you. Speaking of athletic quarterbacks, the next game I kind of wanted to talk about that I know you had a little interest in too was what I think was the surprise of the day, really, and that's Seattle going to Tampa Bay and dropping that game fourteen to five. I mean, the Seahawks all fourteen to five, game. like seriously yeah. five in the NFL game. Right, I don't know how you score five points. How how the Bucks keep you Seattle, who is one of the most explosive offenses these last few weeks, to five points in in one quarter. I mean, they they literally scored five in the second and nothing else the rest of the game. <laughs> uh, I I just they had a good ending in baseball and then showed up didn't show up. Right, I I don't know who to give credit to here. I don't know if this is a yeah. I mean, hats I have off. I have a theory on this game. Okay, let's hear your theory first before you, I make my. You totally know where I'm going with this. Yeah, Seattle is without C.J. Proceis, and the offense fell apart. It's pretty that simple. One game without C.J. Proceis, and they only scored five points. Pretty yeah, obvious. I mean, what else, what else could it be? What else um, could it in be? all seriousness, though, the our, when Proceis was getting minimal playing time when we were discussing him early in the season before he started getting touches, we were both talking about how well he was picking up blitzes or just you know helping on defenders during pass situations. And it is clear that Thomas Rawls and whoever else they throw back there cannot do that. And that's a huge issue because Russell Wilson was sacked six, six times yesterday. So I think the thing with Procise wasn't necessarily, was never necessarily going to be like, hey, he's the guy that needs 20 touches a game. 
I think it was like he needs to be in like X amount of packages to help pick up blocks to keep opposing defenses earnest from not blitzing every single time. Because now it kind of feels like they literally Thomas Rawls cannot pick up a block, and right. I, I think this is where the issue comes in for Seattle offensively. Now Russell Wilson didn't look good otherwise either, but when he has no time, like I mean, what are you going to do? Right, and I mean, we saw him actually run the ball better yesterday than we had in the past, and I think that was just you know for part his life. of him being right, him being on the run and him knowing he's getting hit a lot and not having time to throw. Russ Wilson actually ran the ball eight times for 80 yards yesterday, but again, he only got 33 attempts in the air, 151 yards, no touchdowns, two picks. That that's not that's not good against a team like Tampa Bay, who you know you really thought Seattle was going to go in there and, and whoop up on them. Their defense was hurt coming into the game, and they they're not overly stout to begin with the Tampa Bay defense. So it was just it was really surprising that Seattle laid a complete egg in this game. And again, I, I don't want to not give credit to Tampa here. Their defense got after Wilson. They they limited them in the passing game. Uh, I mean, there were there was fear that the the Seattle tight ends were going to be able to have a lot of success. Jimmy Graham catches six balls for sixty seven yards, but they keep him out of the end zone. It just it was it was a good game for Tampa Bay, who I got to say, you know, we're sleeping on them. I keep talking about how Seattle should have beaten the crap out of them. They're the seventh seed in the West right now. They're they're the next team in into the playoffs. So it's been it's been a nice comeback year for them. Jameis wasn't exactly great yesterday, but He's been playing pretty well this year. He was only hit three times yesterday compared to Russell's 11. Right, right. The Tam- Tampa offense, I mean, they're, they're getting healthier. They ran the ball with Doug Martin a lot yesterday, and they protected Jameis Winston. So this Mike team, Evans' beast. Yeah, I mean, Mike Evans is unstoppable. He's he's emerged. I mean, he was really good last year, but he's definitely emerged into, like, the top five wide receiver conversation this year. He's just been ridiculous. He already has 73 catches for 10 touchdowns and over 1,000 yards. Already. Right. It, it's hard to keep that guy out of the end zone. And really, I mean, you, you look at this roster, he is Jameis Winston's, like, only guy. It's not like, yeah, he's his number one. You look around at the rest of that roster, and you're talking about Russell Shepard and and what's-his-face, and Adam Humphreys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ha- ha- what's-his-face. Bray, who, yeah, exactly. Exactly. A whole bunch of what's-his-faces. Cecil Short's the third getting another shot somewhere, right? Yeah, I mean, Cecil Shorts. Just, he doesn't have anybody that he doesn't have anybody to throw to, so it's good that Mike Evans makes all these gigantic plays. Cecil Shorts is five nine and runs a five seven forty. How's he in the NFL still? I don't know, man. Does doesn't make sense to me. Speaking of guys that shouldn't be in the NFL, whoa, Brock Osweiler, man. What's, the deal, what's the deal with with your boy Brock? I mean, it's just it's it's getting harder to watch every week, and that that's not even fair because he wasn't that awful on Monday night, and he's been playing a little bit better, but. Still not good. Texans lose yesterday at home, twenty-one to thirteen to the Chargers. Uh, just not impressive. Not not impressive at all. What, what do you What do you think of your Texans, Joe? My Texans stink. He threw three picks yesterday, and uh, I mean, and they only lost by eight. So that I'm putting the loss completely on board, as you should. Because I, if you only lose by eight, and three of your turnovers came from one human being, three of your picks. Only came for one human being. Kind of, got, kind of got to go on him. Is it even fair to call him a human being at this point? Can we? Well, just... yeah, I don't think we demote him from the race, from the species of humans. He's I think not it's a big football question. player. I think it's an important question. I think we should consider it. Fair. I mean, Lamar Miller is not helping him at all. Nineteen carries for fifty-seven yards. Yeah, yesterday they didn't. Although, they didn't you get... know, at the same time, you could be like, well, defenses are just throwing ninety-five guys in the box because they know Bull Crossweiler can't pass. 
right? They did not get the running game going at all yesterday. And What a waste know, of good weapons on the outside. Yeah. Seriously, yeah. Like, does, how many teams have a DeAndre Hopkins, a Will Fuller, uh, uh, Jalen Strong, a Braxton Miller on the outside? Yeah. Yeah, not great. Not great. Brock Osweiler's not great. So either Mixed one of two things are happening here. Either Bill Olmick used to make his name from being a Penn State coach, or Brock Osweiler's state. Or it could be both. Because you can't have those kind of weapons and be that horrible passing the football. Yeah, I'm going I mean, to... I mean, look at Alex... Like, listen, man, nobody thinks Alex Smith is gifted talent-wise. But somehow he and Andy Reid make it work. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. With guys, yeah. like, like, like I was singing Tyreek Hill, Hill's praises last, uh, last thing we were talking about, but, like, dude was, like, a fifth-round draft pick from, like, South Alabama State, Birmingham or something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You have DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller. Well, buh. Fire Figure it out. I mean, Bring back Jared. TJ Yates or whatever his name was. Yeah, man. Might, might not be a bad idea. Tell Even Brady Quinn, see what he's up to. He can't be as bad as this. Get Brian Hoyer. Have him play with a broken collarbone or whatever's wrong get with him. Get David Even Carr. Give him another <laughs> shot. Be like, hey, come back. We're finally good. Even Jared Goff completes 20 of 32 for 214, three touchdowns and one pick yesterday. Even Jared Goff. Who had was a better super protected than... in that game and <laughs> everything. But, yes, you're right. Even Jared Goff has a better day than, than Bork Osweiler. And it's just crazy. Again, you know, like, we have the Texans being a Super Bowl contender this year. And it's not like they're... Not like they're three and ten, or really a, a bad team, or anything. Well, they I mean, only lose because their quarterback, though. Their quarterback and their coach, or both. One of the you other. Just have to, you have to wonder if they had a good quarterback, how good this team could be. And it's it's sad how clear it is that they just do not have a good quarterback. Give Philip Rivers to the Texans. Guess what they are? A really good football fun. team. Yeah, they're they're a really really better, good football team. Definitely better than they are Put now. Put work on the Chargers, and the Chargers have like one win. One yo, absolutely. One thing I wanted to bring up from this game uh, last week when we were doing our picks, Texans were one and a half point favorites in this game. I took the Chargers. Joe took the Texans. When Joe took the Texans, he made a claim that the Chargers always win or lose by four points. That was debunked in this game. Okay, they won by eight. The team has had one game decided by four points: a twenty-six twenty-two loss to the Colts, which was week three. In fact. Their eight-point win on Sunday was actually... Okay, under... It's five. They have one game, five points, another one, another three, another three, another... Whatever, that's it, though. So one one game decided by four points. Well, around four points. Gotcha. Four or less, whatever. I was half right. The eight-point win was actually the fourth time this season that one of their games was decided by eight. So maybe you should have said they always either win or lose by eight, and you would have been right this week. Well, let's not bring up the Chiefs and Broncos spread. But let's bring up this to make fun of Joe. I see how you are. It's not about the spread. It's about you saying this team always wins or loses. Did you say Melvin points. Gordon stinks a couple weeks ago? I have never once said Melvin Gordon I think you did. Stinks. Absolutely not. Melvin Gordon is my fantasy horseback whatever. Yeah. <laughs> what? He's, He's a, a horseback. horseback? He's a horseback. He rides horses. That's what he does. <laughs> <laughs> All right, get get it together. You you have the next NFL topic to bring up, Joe. What's what's your last uh, NFL Week Twelve thought? Derek Carr is like awesome. To, he's my hero. That you'd like to share? Yeah, he's a freaking monster. I almost cursed just now. <laughs> Here's the thing: like, if you listen to the podcast regularly, by the way, I have to own up to the Kirk Cousins thing. Last week we were discussing about him not passing about the. In that game last week, he went from ten 
in passing yards per attempt to fifth. Interesting. Um, now, to wow, be I fair, can't believe you just—I can't believe you just apologized. That might be the first time you've done that on the show. Well, I, I mean, like, what am I going to do? Like, bash Kirk Cousins when it's not warranted? Do you know what I mean? Wow! 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 This is. This was like a season long. This was like a you went into the season not liking Kirk Cousins. Oh, and I was going to go through the whole year with it. Yeah, but now I really can't because, like, he kind of really isn't that guy anymore. He's not. He'll throw the deep ball. So I was wrong. Joe, um, you changed, and I like it. But as far as – but, yeah, so, like, I hate people that dink and dunk. So Derek Carr <laughs> does not dink and dunk. Derek Carr will throw his QBR out the window because he gives zero poops. And he'll just keep chucking it to Michael Crabapple and – uh Whoever else is on that, Mari Cooper, who is good, and then a bunch of other guys that aren't really that good. And the Raiders are fun to watch, man. This is like, remember when Al Davis, when he was alive, God bless Al Davis, used to only draft, like, super quick receivers. He didn't actually care if they were good, because all he wanted was a big play. Yeah, I remember him drafting Darius Hayward Bay over Michael Crabtree. Yeah, yeah, and, like, he would do the same thing throughout all the positions on the team, like in the cornerbacks. Like, if they ran a four three forty, and they were from Tulane, they could have got burned their whole college career. He'd like... Second round, get him. Is there a quick? This is kind of what Al Davis always wanted. He has a quarterback that could, it only took him dying for it to happen. Unfortunately, Derek Carr will could chuck, Derek Carr can literally make every throw, um, and he's pretty smart. He seems like a smart. Like I'm not. I don't break down film, but he seems like he knows what he's doing. He can make multiple reads. He doesn't settle on one. His first progression in the in the passing tree, uh, and he could chuck it down the field. I don't necessarily love the running game, but then you have Crab Apple, Amari Cooper, a couple other guys that, you know, have playmaking ability, and, like, they just chuck it. Like, the guy, like, if it's one-on-one coverage, Derek Carr is one of the few quarterbacks. Like, Roethlisberger kind of falls in this, Eli falls in this, where they'll go, I trust my receiver to beat this one dude to get the football. And it just so happens the Raiders have Michael Crab Apple and Cooper, who generally get, get the football. Are you intentionally calling him Crabapple, yes. or do you think his yes. name is Crabapple? Okay, no, he's Michael Crabapple. Sure. Okay, because we're going to have listeners who, who is are one be of like, the greatest college football receivers I've ever seen play, and I was so disappointed when it took a while for his career to get going. But he now he's like a beast. Yeah, I mean it was tough for him coming into the league with San Francisco because uh, that was still you know Alex Smith isn't a good quarterback yet San Francisco, and then him and Kaepernick kind of kind of really uh, lit it up. And now he's, yeah, had, now he's found a home, and he's, like, legit. And Amari Cooper, I know Cooper didn't play great yesterday, but he's legit. No, and, Crabtree's been a stud the last two years. Like, yeah, a I'm, I'm so stud pumped. With Derek Carr. Like, wasn't seriously, remember Crabapple in college, how awesome he was? He was the best. It was ridiculous that he wasn't the first wide receiver taken yeah. in his draft. That it was Darius Hayward Bay. Absolutely so, ridiculous. So, like, it's it's kind of funny how it kind of works out. Because now it's him, Amari Cooper, and then Derek Carr. And the Raiders are nine and two, and it's like all of a sudden, like you're just like, what just happened to the AFC West? Yeah, like it turned, yeah, like, sure. like it was a switch. It was like, all right, Peyton Manning retired. Denver's defense is still okay, but their quarterback situation stinks. San Diego, San Diego, they're forever poor. Philip Rivers, I really do feel bad for him. And then you have the Chiefs who dink and dunk their way to like ten victories every season, and all of a sudden now the Raiders are like nine and two. Yeah. And, yeah. like, like we, we know, I think we could accept, like, we all know Crabapple and Cooper are really, really good. I think now we could finally acknowledge Derek Carr's legit. The thing with Derek Carr that I like, like I said, is he'll just, he'll throw the deep ball with no regard for his own stats. I feel like, I don't think, like, Alex Smith is sitting there going, okay, seven more yards for my passing stats. My percentages are going to be 60% for the game. But, like, Derek Carr clearly doesn't care if he's only completing, like, 58% of his passes. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Derek Harper Hero. Even though you thought he was David last week. I didn't think he was David. I'm just an idiot. Um Agreed. Moving on. That, that's kind of how that works. Uh yeah, the the last game that I kinda wanted to bring up, I wanted to bring up the Jets Patriots game and it didn't go quite as I had imagined it was going to go, and this isn't to give any kind of credit to the Jets, even though C.J. Spiller catches a ball late in the game and we might be you know, talking about a different outcome. I digress. The, the Patriots look decent again. The one thing that worried me, though, is Rob Gronkowski gets hurt in the, I think it was the first quarter. It was definitely the first half of the game, but Gronk leaves with a back injury, and that's coming off of missing last week's game with a lung injury. And, you know, the, the big knock on Gronk has always been that the guy just can't stay on the field. He, he's never healthy. When he is healthy, he's the most unstoppable tight end in the history of, of sports. But when he's not healthy, the Patriots offense isn't quite what they are with him in the lineup. And it looked like we saw that for the most part yesterday. Uh, they didn't have any kind of success running against the Jets, which you know we, we may have expected to be the case because the Jets do have a decent run defense. But even Tom Brady kind of looked to struggle at sometimes without Gronk out there. Uh, obviously, you know, in the long run, the Patriots wind up winning this game. But Joe, are you worried at all about you know Rob Gronkowski's health and how the Patriots can play without him, or do you think they're still easily the best team in the AFC regardless think, of if, if think, he's on the field? I think if you lose Gronk, it's a game changer. You can't lose the best tight end in football who can't be covered, who's just a giant human. Who, if you put a, a linebacker on, he'll outrun them. If you put a safety or a cornerback on, he'll just step on them and think it's going to be the same offense. I think yesterday it was pretty clear. Without Gronk, they're not the same team. I mean, I. I'm not going to bash the Jets, but, like, you know, they only have three wins for a reason. And they looked like a team that was on on par-ish with New England yesterday. I think that's because of the Gronk factor. Yeah, I, I think that that might be the case, too. I, I just, I, I worry about them. Again, you know, the Jets, the Jets kind of give the Patriots a hard time in some of these games, especially the ones they play at MetLife Stadium. Um, but but I was expecting this to be a real blowout. The one thing that did stick out to me uh, positively for New England with Rob, Gron- Rob Gronkowski out, and this was the second week in a row that I kind of made this uh, observation, was rookie wide receiver Malcolm Mitchell kind of becomes Tom Brady's favorite target in the red zone when Gronk's not out there. I mean, he had two touchdowns yesterday. He had one score last week. It, this past week, you know, Tom Brady was kind of singing his praises about how he has these huge hands and how he's a reliable, trustable guy that he loves to look for, you know, when the team's coming close to scoring. And we really saw that kind of play out yesterday. Uh, Mitchell had five catches for 54 yards. I want to say he had uh, six targets on the game. I'm sorry, five catches, 42 yards. He had seven targets on the game. But again, two of those five catches are touchdowns. And Brady just looks for him when, when they get down. So a little bit of a fantasy note. If Rob Gronkowski's out and you need help at the flex or the wide receiver, Malcolm Mitchell is probably available in your league, and this this is the week to to make a waiver claim for him. Nice. Yep, had to, had to get it in. Also, while we're on the topic of fantasy, just to go back to that Chiefs game, shout out to Chiefs kicker Cairo Santos, winning the game for longtime listener, fan of the podcast, personal friend, potentially boss, Tommy Stokey. Congratulations, buddy. Glad you got your fantasy win. Whatever what you guys super fantasy teams. <laughs> Alright, since we're getting into some, some bad podcasting, Joe, let's hit the music and do some bad tweets. Mario. Cry and Jamie's with the side of some racism. Many hot takes. Some of them. Bad tweets. 
Okay, so our first bad tweet is from from a real person. So this happened after yesterday's Giants. <laughs> hey, I can't. I can never verify people on Twitter if they're real or not. But we know this guy is from uh, Janoris Jenkins, who's the New York Giants cornerback. Tweeting after the game, they beat the Browns, even though it kind of was close late. Uh, was it even close late? Is that a lie? Were the Browns in that game? I know they they were still trying to get into it, but I watched zero percent like it. Yeah, I, I was at a friend's house. We didn't have red zone. So, no, it wasn't close at all. The Giants win that game by two scores. But the Browns were still throwing the ball downfield. Terrell Pryor actually had a big game, catching uh, six balls for 131 yards. Anyway, a guy that spent the majority of the day covering him, Janoris Jenkins, was tweeting about Pryor after the game. Uh, I don't know if he deleted one of the tweets prior to this, but he tweets, it's Janoris Jenkins, <laughs> Mr. Clamps 2.0 at J Jenks Lockdown tweets, LOL, because he sucks. He caught balls in zone coverages. He's a bleep eater to poop me. Eater. Yeah, he's a poop eater, but he didn't even... He, he was meaner than that. He's a poop eater to me. Then he adds him, like, an hour later, at Terrell Pryor, you a poop eater to me, you really sucks, hashtag. Terrell Pryor... Hashtag nothing, tweets. by the way. Yeah, yeah, no hashtag. <laughs> I don't know if he meant something else. Uh, Terrell Pryor quote-tweeted him after that and said... You are a great corner, solid defender. You played a solid <laughs> game. God bless. Good luck rest of the year. So, yeah, Janoris Jenkins gets on Twitter after a win, talking a lot of crap about the guy he just beat, and the guy he just beat gets back on Twitter and says, thank you. <laughs> I love Terrell Pryor, man. He's been so good for my fantasy football team. Oh, I really my love- God. Nobody cares. Everybody cares. No, no, no. Everybody cares. That's the fun part. Everybody cares. Um, So I, I, thought it was, I thought it was really funny the way he handled it and just – such a bad look for Janoris Jenkins. I don't know what you get out Who's of that. Who's Mr. Clamps 1.0 if he's 2.0? That's a good question. It's probably some fake person on Twitter that's not a real uh, not a real cornerback. Maybe he's a, I don't know. I don't know who Mr. Clamps he 1.0 is. He operates twice for a living. <laughs> I'll do some uh, research on that. I just, yeah. Janoris Jenkins, what are you doing? What's with all the, the NFL players talking trash? Oh, no, stuff? we like this. Remember, I like it. Yeah, I like it. It's, I guess it's better than them saying that they'll shoot each other. So that, that's Yeah, good. or better than just like them being like, good game, good game, and that's it, we just move on. No, give us that, and we'll let Terrell Pryor embarrass him on Twitter. All right, so I just searched Mr. Clamps 1.0. And Is I think, there one? No, nah, there's nobody that showed oh, up. Oh, then I mean, come on, Janoris Jake. It's man up, be Mr. Clamps 1.0. Unless he's trying to say he maybe he was at one point, and then he upgraded Maybe that's it. Yeah. Oh, you know what it is? Mm, we should have figured this one out sooner, but it's a good thing that we're both smart. He wears number 20, so maybe that's what it is. 2.0, like I'm number 20. Like two. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Joe, what's your bad tweet? <laughs> um, this one's from Jared Wade, at Jared underscore Wade. He's a shooty hoops writer. Um, this is from last night for context. Pacers up 18 without Paul George. Against the team they all said could beat the Warriors, meaning the Clippers. Ooh, Go ahead, yeah. Clippers season's over. They lost last night. They lost a, a Sunday night game against the Pacers. So, I mean, it's over. They're, they're a hot start, them being 14-4. and four, It's all out the window. None of it matters. I mean, at this point, they're a game and a half out of the best record in the NBA. So, what, what's the point? Why don't we end the season? Jared Wade's got it right. I can't believe that we allowed this team being the best defensive team in the NBA through you know, the first month plus to, to really sway us in any direction. They're frauds, Joe. The Clippers are frauds. How do you do that? I don't know. I still can't. I'm still like, I asked Jared before the show, is this a tweet in jest? 
Um, it might be. I mean, it, it might be. It probably is. I yeah, can't imagine. I mean, like, that, I can't like, see no. something. Like, seriously, it's, last night was November 27th. Are we really, like, are we really writing off teams? Yeah, I, I can't imagine he's really writing him off. It's just like, what, why would you do that? I mean, I, I get it. Like, yeah, he covers the Pacers, so this is his, like, oh, my God, the Pacers are so good. They're beating a really good team, even without Paul George. How good could this good team really be if they're losing to the Pacers? You know, I just, come on, man. Come on. It's a bad tweet. Bad tweet. Yeah, I mean, there, there's nothing really else to say about this. It's not like a, you're wrong, the Clippers are great. It's like, a, what's the point? Why even Why even make that tweet? It's it's sort of, it, like, it reminds me of the Warriors overreactions. You know, the Warriors have lost two games. And after both losses, we've just heard about how this team's not going to have the same chemistry they had last year and how they shouldn't have gotten Kevin Durant, how they should have allocated those funds differently to get a rim protector. I mean, for, for goodness sakes, they're 15-2 and two now. Like, they're just, they're, they're crushing it, and they're still getting used to playing with each other. Clippers are allowed to, to lose a game on a Sunday night to the Pacers. Yeah, no matter who is or isn't there. Right. Well, I wanted to switch over to the NBA, but I didn't want to talk about this Los Angeles team. Instead, Joe, I want to talk about your boys, all right? Part of the reason that I would like to talk about the Lakers, listen, they're they're nine and nine, and they've lost. What did what did we say? They've lost. They, two they've won three of their last seven, so they're not exactly on fire as of this moment. Right, right. Heading into, I'm not even looking at the schedule. Right, heading into last night's game against Atlanta, they had even lost four out of their last five games, but they, they get a big win over the Hawks, one hundred nine to ninety four last night. And you know, I know Atlanta struggled through times this season, but I consider them to be a pretty legitimate team. So to see the Lakers get Another win over a quality team and still be 500. Still kind of, I know it's so early, so I feel silly even bringing this up, but still be in the playoff race, be in the hunt for, for a playoff spot a month into the season. I mean, if anything, I would have thought that this was a team that would figure it out as the season went along and not, not really be good out of the gate. But they played with a lot of energy, and they're a lot of fun to watch. Joe, I really want to bring it up, though, because I want to get your thoughts on this. The Lakers are kind of a, a perfect storm of Joan Ardone. Bunch oh. of young players and a coach who you have an affinity for. Little so, Joe, what, what are your what are your thoughts on on the Lakers through the first month of the season? Um, they're super balanced. Luke Walton's doing things that he kind of did at Golden State, where he has ten guys playing fifteen minutes per game or more. Uh, nobody playing over thirty. Um, five guys scoring double figures. Everything's balanced. There's no like yeah, Lou Williams, D'Angelo Russell, were, and Jordan Clarkson as well are clearly, like, the go-to scoring guys, while, like, Nick Young and Julius Randle are scoring, but Randle's getting his, uh, like, you know, garbage points, like, putbacks and uh, transition things, and Nick Young's just being Nick Young. Nick Young, big development in the year, probably Swaggy P playing defense this year, so Luke Walton should just get close to the year for that. Dude, he's been Good. world's better in every aspect, Nick Young. I mean, I think that's been one of the big stories with this team, too, and not, not to, you know, overreact or anything, but Let's we're talking it. about a guy who's had such an awful shot selection through his career, so far shooting, you know, 46% from the field, 42% from three. And like you said, he's playing defense. I mean, th- this has been a big story for this team. Nick Young is is a willing team player all of a sudden. Oh, totally. Yeah, I think I think for me as, like, some of that, like, like I grew up liking the Lakers, so the, the best part of this is it's just really balanced. Like, it's not just Williams or DeAndre Russell or Clark or whoever, whoever, like, because everybody has, like, their guy that they think should be the like the star of the team is there is no their guy. There's like four of them. Do you know what I mean? Right. And it works out well, and it's really balanced. They have Clarkson come off the bench 
Um, he's only started one of the 18 games. And uh, I think the way uh, Luke Walton's handled this has been perfect. Like, they're not they're going to be like they're they're not going to tire out as the season goes on because the way he's handling minutes. He yes, he's taking risks by trusting guys like Tariq Black to play like you know like fifteen minutes a game or whatever. But like you know like if you actually look at the roster now, now that we like like Lou Williams is good, right? And Nick Young is good. Lou Williams has always actually been good. He's just always been lost in the Williams world. But like Larry Nance and Lou Aldang. Tariq Black and Brandon Ingram getting minutes. Now, does, like, it seems kind of neat. Like, it all seems really come together. I still don't think they're a playoff team by, by the season. But, like, they're never going to hit. I don't think they're ever going to hit that wall where you're watching a game and it's a back-to-back and you're like, oh, man, they just look exhausted. Because the way right. the minutes are spread out. I think, I think Luke Walton is very literally getting the most out of, out of what he has at his disposal. And I think it's important that you brought up that this is kind of a little bit more of a balanced roster. I mean, D'Angelo Russell's missed four games, so they've clearly missed his offense in, in some of those games. But there's just there's kind of there's talent from top to bottom. There's young guys who are looking for opportunities they, they haven't had in the past. I mean, we're seeing Thomas Robinson start games, or at least he did last night. I, I just I, I'm kind of intrigued with this team and, and the makeup of this roster. I don't know how long it's going to last that they could play around 500 ball. But I look at the teams that they're in front of, and I can't help but wonder if they could possibly compete for a playoff spot. I mean, that's right now they're in the eight seed. Under them, you have tra- the Trailblazers, who obviously, you know, you're, you're expecting them to kind of bounce back and, and be above 500. But after that, I mean, looking at the Nuggets, we're looking at the Kings. We're looking at the Pelicans, who, yeah, the Pelicans have been a lot better since they got Drew Holiday back a little over a week ago. But we also have Minnesota, Phoenix, and Dallas. So of that group, I mean... It's feasible only Portland is, like, definitely better than the Lakers. And even that, I mean, there's a legit chance the Lakers could be a playoff team. Like, scale of 1 to 10, how legitimate of a shot do you think they have in making the playoffs? Great. That's fair. I, I, I mean, that, that's fair. I don't know that I can go higher because, like, you can't, even, you can't call this team good. Not you know yet. I mean? Like, like, right. the, like we're, we're praising Nick Young for playing defense. Let's see how this works out, like, after they lose 4 out of 5. Right. Do you right. mean like, like, or like if they're two games back of the eight seed and D'Angelo Russell gets sprains his ankles and then miss five games? Like, how are these guys going to play? Like, I think it's just too early. I think right now, like, if the season goes on, everybody stays healthy, yeah, they have, like, a more sincere chance at making a fight for the eight seed. But because of the way the roster is constructed and how balanced it is, and how I think a lot of it hinges on a guy like Nick Young, who, outside of these 18 games, is historically not this. Like, there's just too many variables. You know what I mean? Right. And here's the other thing, though. While we're talking about regression candidates and why this team should be worse, could be worse, will be worse. Julius Randle. Well, yeah, I mean, Julius Randle. Awesome. I'm, I'm trying to focus on the positive here. Yes, no, he's been awesome. That's what I'm saying. Right, but no, no, no. There, there. But he could, all, he could definitely be a regression candidate. I mean, he wasn't this kind of a guy last year. Granted, I think playing with with he was with, also uh, ten last year. Right, and it was his first NBA season. Playing with the Bill Walton, the Bill Walton, Luke Walton as his coach <laughs> definitely <laughs> helps. I know that was weird. Did you hear Bill, oh, real quick? Did you hear Bill Walton over the weekend? No, what happened to him over the On weekend? On live broadcast, he goes, "I can't get low anymore, but I'm still great at getting high." <laughs> Love that guy. He's the best. 
so while we're talking about guys who could definitely get, you know, definitely not keep up this this level of play, you don't know if it's sustainable for, for Nick Young, for Julius Randle, for whoever else, D'Angelo Russell is only shooting 41% from the field. Brandon Ingram is only shooting 37% from the field. I mean, these are the two guys that, that Walton and everybody else in, in L.A. is going to count on to, to lead this team into its next generation of being competitive. These guys haven't even started to play that well yet. So, I mean, I, I can't only look at the, well, is it sustainable to play this well? Some of these guys aren't playing well. I mean, and you'd imagine that their roles are going to increase as the season goes along. Yeah, I, I think, you know, one of the things that Luke Walton's making a, a real effort at and will continue to is monitoring everybody's minutes and making sure, you know, D'Angelo Russell isn't going to have to play 35 minutes down the stretch or whatever. But we just, we haven't seen a couple of the, the better players on this team hit stride yet. And again, we're not even a quarter of the way into the season. So before I ask, is it is it sustainable that they could play this well? I do want to give them the benefit of the doubt and think, well, there are certain guys on the team that could play better and that could wind up helping them out. I just, I, I don't know. I, I think it's fun and I think it's been one of the most pleasant surprises this season that this team's been as competitive as they've been. Do you think that this should be credited more to Kobe not being there or Byron Russell not being there? Well, Byron Russell's not a person. Well, he is a person. He's just not the one you're thinking of. You mean Byron Scott. Yeah. Byron Russell, if he was there, maybe he would help out. Prime Byron, Byron Russell. Uh, Why on earth did I just call him Byron Russell? Because is- your D'Angelo Russell was spoken about. Life happens. Um, yeah. Obviously, it's a combination of the two. But I'm, I'm going to go a little bit more with Luke Walton here. I understand people hate Kobe. I kind of grew sick of Kobe at the end. But I'd rather give credit than poop all over a guy that's no longer in the league. I appreciate that, and I, I agree with you. I think that that's definitely more of what it is. But again, you know, I kind of look at I look at Luke Walton being there, and you look at the you're not there with them every day, but just just hearing quotes and, and seeing them, and just hearing stories about Luke Walton, and it's clear that like giving these young guys a coach who who's younger, who played the game more recently, who comes from a fun culture before being here, like it, it just it makes such a difference to young players than what. Byron Scott was last year, where it was, well, we're going to do things my way, and we're going to do things Kobe's way. You know, it's just, it's good to see a coach who's able to to give young guys, you know, a forum where they want to play and make the game more enjoyable. And even the veterans are having better seasons playing with that kind of culture than they did last year. Agreed. Go Lakers. Woo, woo, woo. (laughs) You know what we should do? What should we do? I think we should do absurd questions. Wow, there's a transition started by Joe. Hit the music, Mario. It is time for the Absurd Questions portion of the podcast. Absurd Questions! Alright, I'm going first. Do it. Alright, you ready? I'm ready. Alright. Of all NBA players, and the NBA, obviously, because that's how they're NBA players, pick one you think you could beat up in a fight. Oh, man. Current NBA players? It has to be current, yeah. Okay, let's uh, let's get a player list in front of me so I could I could figure this out. Obviously, you're gonna go. You're gonna probably look towards point guards, smaller people. You're not gonna be like, hey, give me a shot at Dwight Howard. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely not gonna fight Dwight Howard. Um, do you do you have an answer? Well, my answer I wanted to, like I, I pigeonhole myself because I want to fight Kevin Garnett, but he's retired now. Why do you want to fight Kevin Garnett? Do you he's a fraud and a bully, and I think yeah. Nobody's ever actually stepped to him. I think he'd be stepped to him. So my answer now is actually Paul Pierce, because I also feel similar. Paul Pierce wow, isn't a, Paul no Pierce isn't a bully, 
Like, Paul Pierce isn't Kevin Garnett in that bullet sense. But Paul, Paul, Paul Pierce is a phony, and he likes Virginia's top. The whole wheelchair bet. All right, buddy. I, I almost said something super inappropriate. But yeah, I'll punch him right in the right in the face. You can't. Although he, the dude has been stabbed, so he's probably super tough. Yeah, but I don't think Paul Pierce is the dude that you want to fight, man. I there's a clip in my mind that I always think of when someone like questions Paul Pierce. Him and Jimmy Butler almost got into it, and Jimmy Butler like wouldn't even look him in the eye. Like Jimmy Butler was like, "Nah, it's all good, man. It's all good. It's all good. I don't want it with you." It was similar to when Tyler Hansborough fouled Metal World Peace in that uh, preseason game. Or no, no, no. Metal World Peace fouled him, and Tyler Tyler Hansborough didn't see who hit him. And then and he was he better than get, Sam. Than yeah, Sam. he started he started to get really <laughs> upset. He turns around, and it's 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 Meta, and he you can literally see him him mouth the words. Oh, Ron, my bad. <laughs> it's like my favorite basketball clip, but but really that that Jimmy Butler Paul Pierce clip as well. I don't want to go like wanna... the easy. I didn't want to go like Jeremy Lin or somebody like that. Like I wanted to go somebody a little bit bigger. So I don't that's know. Fair. I I think I'm gonna say Seth Curry here. Ooh, that's a good answer. He's kind of small. I mean, listen, he's every NBA player is tougher than me. Okay, I'm not like a fighter. It's not like I'm like. Oh, yeah, I, I definitely have an advantage over so-and-so in this area. I don't even know that I want to fight point guards. Point guards are pretty, like, tough. Yeah, I don't know if you remember Earl Boykins. Earl oh, Boykins man. is five foot five. He used to, like, he used to bench, and obviously, like, bench pressing isn't the measure of everything, but his, his like, his lifting routine was similar to Ben Wallace's, and Ben Wallace was, like, the strongest guy in the NBA. So I don't think you should assume that you want to fight. Maybe Eric Gordon because he'll get hurt as he comes over to fight him. He might get hurt. I don't know. Eric Gordon's pretty jacked. All these guys are in such better shape. Well, yeah, shape. but I'm not saying I actually win the fight against any of these guys. Right, so it's like... You uh, could pull Mookie Blaylock out of retirement. I wouldn't fight Mookie Blaylock. No, man. but, I mean, come on. We can't have some evidence here, so we have to fight Mookie Blaylock. Right. Um, Tyus Jones, What maybe? is NBC interviewing Marvin Harrison on the sidelines for? Ooh, that's not a name we should mention on this podcast. Tyus Jones. We're just going to pretend nothing ever happened, I guess, huh? I mean, that's not not my me place. and you. I mean, like you know, NFL reporters, the world. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. What What do you think? What do you think of Tyus Jones as a prospect to fight? He might be. Are we doing a Duke bias here? We think he's entitled, so we can beat him up type of deal. No, I, I know it's it's turning into a Duke bias, but it's kind of like the the smallest point guard guy that I could fight that I'm not afraid of. And I know he has like real quick hands, though. Oh, of course he does. I'm sure Seth Curry does. So I'm sure all these guys well, do. Well, the Seth I mean, Curry thing, like, I actually like the Seth Curry one the most because he does come from money. And probably didn't have, and he didn't, like, he probably didn't have to throw hands a ton, a ton as a kid. Probably not. I not mean, that I don't we, know. you and I did. I'm just right. saying, like, like, of all the guys you could probably think of, he's probably a very not at all experienced fighter. He's got an older brother, though, so I don't know if that would factor into it, you know? Well, that's true. Like, too. he's definitely gotten bullied. Who around. would be the one you'd least want to fight? Is it Pogi? I might still be Zach Randolph. Oh yeah, Zach. Zach's tough. Is Tony Allen from the league? I don't want to fight Tony Allen either. Yeah, I don't want to fight anybody that fight. ever played for Memphis. I don't want to fight. Right, I don't want to fight. Um, I just had somebody Mirza Toledovic. I don't want to fight Mirza. Um, hmm. I don't know. There's a lot of guys I don't really want to fight. Everybody, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, I think. I think I'm going to go Seth Curry or Tyus Jones, and I really don't mean to make it a Duke bias answer, but that, that, that's my answer. You're still going to fight Kevin Garnett? Uh, yeah, I honestly think I like man. That was like always my dream. Somebody just like step to him and just legit just pop him in the face. Yeah, yeah, I think he had it coming to him. I'm surprised it didn't. Uh, wait, no, didn't 
who who hit him? Wasn't it uh who was it? Was it Malik Sealy? I mean, I know they were teammates for a while. I feel like it was a former teammate of his. It well, wasn't Malik. But him and Malik had like a really good relationship. So if they did hit each other, it must have blown all the super quick. Because weren't they like no, really, Anthony really good Peeler. players? Wasn't it Anthony Peeler that fought Kevin Garnett? Oh, like when Anthony Peeler was 955 years old? Yeah, but he, like, he, Kevin Garnett didn't want it with him. I, I mean, he, Kevin Garnett didn't want anybody. He didn't even want it with Melo. Right. Right. Man. Yeah, yeah, it was Anthony Peeler. I'm about to watch this YouTube video. It's only 14 seconds. All right, watch it real quick. All right, hold on. Give us the update if you try to if, if you try to I don't, Anthony Peeler. I don't know if you could hear the noise in the background. Do you think any of our audience knows who Anthony oh, Peeler is? Oh, he punched him right in the face. Did he? What did punched, Garnett do? He hit him with a left. Garnett jumped up and looked at him, and everybody jumped in. Oh. The old Garnett went down, though? No, nah, he didn't go down. Oh. He didn't go down. How he old is Anthony Peeler in that video? He's on the Kings, so let's let's double oh, it's check. Well past his prime. I don't know when his prime was, but yes, it was. Well, well when past he was with the Lakers, that was prime. Um, I don't know. Anthony Peeler wasn't exactly superstar. Yeah, I, I'm saying I don't know that he had a prime. Uh, yeah, wow, he was 34 years old. He only played one season in Sacramento. That was KG's MVP. That was his season. last season in the NBA. He played one more year after that with oh, Washington. Washington. Yeah, right. Look at you knowing Anthony Peeler facts. All right, I, I was a big Anthony Peeler fan. I'm a Laker. I grew up a Laker fan, so I was a huge Anthony Peeler fan back in the day. That's true. Well, speaking of things from back in the J, back in the J, <laughs> back in the J, back in the day. My absurd question to you, Joe. Ooh. We were talking about this yesterday. I had Friendsgiving with my friends. It was nice. It was a good time. I don't know how, but this conversation came up like three times. Who was your favorite Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, Joe? Now or growing up? Is your two different answers? Growing up, not now. There are two different answers. Well, no, there really is, because as an adult, I'm talking about the original movies and the cartoons. As a kid, I looked at it one way, and as an adult, I looked at it different ways. I'm giving you both answers. So as a kid, like most prototypical kids, I liked Michelangelo because he thought he was funny and one-liners and stuff. But then when I got a little bit older and I watched the original movies with with Casey Jones and How much older are we talking now? Like, as soon as I hit puberty. Okay, so like... Still a kiddish. Yeah, it was Raphael. Okay, how come? Because he was a bad a double dollar sign mother trucker, and like he like in the original Ninja Turtles, I'm pretty sure he cursed. No, he came close. He might have called somebody like dumb or something. Like that might have been the curse. But that was edgy at the time. There's no way he dropped like an f bomb. No, I'm not saying he was him and Casey Jones were going back and forth like with lines from Pulp Fiction. I'm just saying I'm getting like the he was, out of here with with uh with Kino or whoever the dude was that was oh, breaking. Yeah, yeah. He, he was he was edgy for a twelve year old kid. Me. Yeah, I you know I think a lot of people liked Raphael for that. My favorite, it's weird. I liked the majority of them. So my first favorite was Leonardo, and I think it was because he had a sword. Like, what other <laughs> reason is there to really love Leonardo? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so I want to say from ages like four to six or seven, I was all about Leo. And then after that, Michelangelo, because he was the fun one, and nunchucks were pretty cool, so how do you not? As I started getting older, though, Donatello was my favorite. I don't know why. I think I was like, he's smart, and it's pretty cool that he's smart. I don't want to be smart, but I like that he's smart. That's so I think, that, I think that's where I went with that. Yeah, my fiance's favorite was Raphael, and I was kind of like worried about it. Like, why would you like Raphael? He was the bad one. Uh, that, the that bad boy. Girls like bad boys. Right? And then why is she with me? It just doesn't make sense. Well, I mean, like, you know, you're not a turtle. 
that is a profound way to end the podcast, Joe. I don't think that we could top that line. So, uh, yeah, good good talk. <laughs> All right, let's plug some stuff. <laughs> All right, guys. Hey, thank you so much for listening today. Don't forget, Final Fantasy comes out in... Now we're looking at, I guess... 12, 12 14. 14 hours. 14 hours. Joe, I'm happy for you. Anyway, you can, you can follow me on Twitter at Jamin's Hoops. You can catch my basketball writing at fanragsports.com. If you have any AMAs for us, any questions, tweet them to either Joe or myself. You don't even need a fancy hashtag. Just tweet us. We give you our Twitter handles every single week. So we want to hear from you. So send us your questions. Joe, tell the good people where they could find you. On Twitter's at Joseph Nardon, N-A-R-G-O-N-E. I need to pronounce my last name. <laughs> Fanragsports.com. And that is it. Awesome. All right, guys. We'll see you later this week. skiddly do dup dup All around me are familiar websites, worn out clickbait, worn out hot takes, bright and early for the daily link dumps, no one's clicking, no one's clicking, their pupils are filling up their pockets, but not for writers. Not for writers. Hide my head, I want to do a slideshow. No tomorrow. No tomorrow. And I find it kind of funny. I find it kind of sad. The internet in which I'm worthless is the best I've ever had. I find it hard to tell you. I find it too hot to take When people blog in circles It's a very, very Mad world Mad world